Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. That's right. No Judd today. Judd's in Las Vegas. I don't know. I don't know about Judd in Las Vegas, you guys. Judd makes me nervous. In Have Las we Vegas. seen anything from him? How much craft? Yeah, he beer just tweeted about Judd. Vegas. A lot. Craft or yes. just just regular? No, they've got all kinds of okay. like they've got local Las Vegas craft beers. Uh, he just tweeted about Jack Wick and Johnny Utah. <laughs> yeah, he. T- well, we close. the station tweeted out. Um, Judd's review of the latest Rami's recipes, which is up at Score North on Twitter, or go to our YouTube page, or go to ScoreNorth.com. I recreated recreated the La Tortuga torta and unanimously declared when I made sandwiches for the entire Score North staff, better than the original that they're selling out there at Target Field. So please give that a try. And Judd tweeted out, or we tweeted out Judd's review of it. We shot a video of Judd reviewing the La Tortuga, and uh, I tweeted, I think he likes it. And then he said, very good, Jack Wick and Johnny Utah approved. Because we had a disagreement over the weekend (laughs) that ended up in a Twitter poll of what was the better movie. Uh, John Wick, I almost said Jack Wick just a second ago, (laughs) or Point Break. And uh, he, the name of the movie is John Wick, and he said Jack Wick in his tweet. Yeah, it's possible. It is 3 o'clock. It's definitely happy hour time out there. I'm looking at his Twitter timeline right now to see if we had any uh, photo evidence of what Judd's been up to. Judd's Um, not going to post photos on his own. You're going to have to go friend his wife on Facebook to find those photos. Is she on Twitter? I think she is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you'll definitely see. Yeah, you'll you'll see them interacting, and she'll be the one that posts the photos, and then you'll so you'll have to grab them from her account. Nothing shirtless then, like when you were in Vegas. Will there be? <laughs> hey, listen, I was sleeping and or inebriated. When shirtless, that photo was taken. probably both. Sun glistening off these washboard abs. <laughs> What's question right. number one? Our With that, crooked, corrupted judge Jonathan. Smooth transition. So you're Ryan Saunders. You've just been given the head coach gig. What is the conversation you're having with Andrew Wiggins this afternoon? Uh, it's it's actually very easy. And it's not even a conversation. It's a game of Pictionary. <laughs> I grab a whiteboard and I draw a circle at the top. I draw an arc all the way around, I don't know, like 23-ish feet away from the circle. 
and uh, maybe a lane, just like a little, uh, you know, like a little uh, rectangle in the middle there. Mm-hmm. And then I draw. This sounds familiar for some reason. I draw two X's. I draw an X under the circle at the top and an X outside the arc on the left. And I say, Andrew, what is this? And I give him a couple guesses and hopefully he gets it right. But the answer is the only two places you're allowed to shoot from in the upcoming season. The left corner three and under the basket. And then if you get fouled, you have permission to shoot the free throws from 15 feet away from the basket. That's what I would be discussing with Andrew Wiggins today. It's All not right. very hard to make. Like, you don't have to change his motivation. You don't have to change anything. Like, he doesn't know how to dribble. Like, you can, he can be the same player. Just stop shooting from 20 feet and a hand in your face. If you only shoot from these two places and change nothing else, you will be twice the player you were the last five years. If you can add some of the other stuff, awesome. Phil said his answer would be short and simple. Mine will be even shorter and simpler. I would simply say to Andrew Wiggins, hey, Wiggy, the train is leaving the station, and we're going to championship basketball town. Are you getting on board, or are we leaving you here? (laughs) That's it. Championship basketball town. Championship basketball town. That's where this train is going. That is good. And if you don't have your ticket, Wiggy, and the ticket is the game plan, you can stay right here at the train station, buddy. You stay right here. We're going to move on without you. He'd be like, are there video games here? Okay, cool. I'll just <laughs> Is there an arcade on board? Yeah. Do I get to do that? I'm good. I'm well, good. the answer I was actually looking for was just simply, you're traded, but I guess I didn't get that here. Hmm. Well, I mean, Bobby Marks came on and basically said what Gerson Rosas has been saying, which is it good ain't going to happen. That's the we don't have enough first round picks available <laughs> to attach to him. There are none. There are not enough. Uh, I do like both of those. I like championship basket town, mm-hmm. championship basketball town better. It's a good, it's a good t-shirt that we'll definitely have to make here. Yes. At some point, get your tickets, get on board. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's, it's a, not quite as catchy as title town, I guess, but championship we'll basketball town. We'll work at it. That's where we're going. <laughs> Hashtag it. Hashtag it. Second question. I want a pie chart of credit. The Twins are mashing home runs at an astronomical rate for the Twins organization. So who gets the credit for the Twins hitting all these dingers right now? And you want us to slice it up like a pie, right? Yep. We're slicing up the credit pie? Mm-hmm. You can give the whole thing or you can give just part of it. <sighs> all right. Just parts of it. Can I just lump all the players into one slice? Yeah. Can I do that? Because mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of people who deserve this credit. So I'm going to say the players themselves get about 30% of the credit. And then... What do we got left? 70? All right. I'm going to give 40% to Falvey and Levine for going out with a plan this offseason of what they were going to add to what they already had here and having a winning formula that we now see working because this isn't happenstance. This isn't luck. This isn't a pop-up season. This is exactly what Falvey and Levine had in mind when they put this roster together and it is playing out exactly according to their script. So... Their genius earns them about 40% of the credit. And then another 30% has to go to Rocco Baldelli and his coaching staff because Falvey and Levine have been here for a few years now trying to get this result based on the information and the analytics that they have. And it hasn't worked. And obviously Rocco Baldelli and his, and his coaching staff have found a better way to take the information that Falvey Levine and the front office is providing them and making it digestible and usable and putting it in a way to these players that they will buy in and actually do these things when they get on the field. So you have to give Baldelli and Johnson credit. And I just love 
the attitude and the overall feel of this team and that clubhouse. We were talking with Dustin Morris today, and he said that Rocco Baldelli basically told these guys, be yourselves. I'm not going to have your whole day regimented from sunup to sundown to get you ready for a baseball game. Show up to the park when you want. There are a few things that I want everybody to do, but get ready the way that you get ready. All I ask is that you be ready when that first pitch is thrown out. And I think that's the way a modern baseball manager approaches a clubhouse and approaches a team, and he's executed it to a T along with the formatics that go into being a manager in 2019. So I'm going 30 for the players. 30 for Rocco, 40 for Derek Falvey Levine, the okay. front office. You missed maybe the largest chunk. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say this. I'm going to give 50% to everything Rami just said cuz he said it very well. Okay. 50% it's a it's an organization that is now aligned with its philosophies, it's aligned with its communication from front office and nerds with calculators and spreadsheets to players. They've clearly found a pipeline to be able to communicate, all right, here's why launch angle is important, or here's why you should throw your curveball all the time, and all those things that are helping these players perform at their 80th and 90th percentiles as talented people, right? Mm-hmm. But the 50% on the other end... Is Rami Makhlouf is, coming to town because <laughs> everything I touch in the baseball 100%. world turns to gold? It's obvious. That's right. I don't know That's why, why. I took the Cubs so long to win the title. <laughs> so the other 50%, is the time. juiced baseball that has three oh. three teams oh. three teams oh. on pace to break the major league record for home runs in a season? Disqualify him. The Mariners, the Twins, and the Astros are all on pace. So that the previous record, I'm going to break this down here. The previous record for home runs in a season by a team was actually set last year by the New York Yankees. They hit two hundred sixty six home runs. Before that, it was the 1997 Mariners who had 264. So nobody has ever hit 267 home runs in a full season, okay? The Minnesota Twins have played three fewer games than the Seattle Mariners, yet have only three fewer home runs. So I'm like, game for game, the Twins have the most home runs in baseball, all right? So let's take 87 divided by the 46 games times 162 for a full season. So again, the previous record for home runs in a season is 266. The Twins are on pace to hit 306 home runs this year. That's more than launch angle, and I'm not accusing them of PEDs. The ball is different. And and so, again, credit to the, the players twins. The aren't twins. juiced. The ball is juiced. The Twins are at the top of the pile, but the pile is being helped by a baseball that's clearly not the same as it was before. So not to be Buzz Killington here, but he basically he basically just took fifty percent of the credit away from the Twins and said it's just easier to hit a baseball far. Pretty much not wrong, and I'm not going to disqualify him, Rami, because this time I'm going to give him the point. That's baseball is helping major leaguers and minor leaguers, as we've seen. So the last one, non sports. Game of Thrones ended yesterday. No, neither of you guys watch. But predictably, fans weren't happy with the ending. Can I ask you, before you move on to asking us the question, why are people so unhappy? Can you just... Okay, from what I understand, this was all like a fight for a throne, right? Yeah. That's why it's called Game of Thrones. Yeah. There were various kingdoms all vying for one throne to rule all the kingdoms. Did I just sum it up pretty pretty accurately? Yeah, pretty much. So who won the throne and why are people pissed off? I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to tell people. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) We had a conversation about spoilers and not ruining Endgame for us. All right. So I'm not going to ruin Game of Thrones for those who haven't watched. 
they were a lot of fans were upset because it was anticlimactic. It wasn't as eventful as there past. wasn't like a final battle for the throne. Right. That okay. was last week. And all right. One of the main characters went off a rocker a little bit. Um, it was anticlimactic. There wasn't a whole lot of big twists at the end. There was just, oh, here's one character dying that we all kind of wanted to die. And then here's the new king. Congratulations. That's okay. how it ends. And then one, that was it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And that's why people were upset because it was anticlimactic compared to what okay. what Game of Thrones has been where there's a lot of twists and big moments. All right. So I got you. I want your favorite TV series slash movie ending and why. So I want you to sell me on your favorite way a TV show or a movie has ended. I'm basically disqualifying myself with this answer in this company, I think. Mm-hmm. I know... I know how it's going to be panned by both. If you, of you give us one of the seasons of The Bachelor or Bachelorette, I'm just, I just, I'm just going to walk. Actually, out of Actually, Colton studio. hopping the fence last season was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty good, man. Like you, he, always, you always leave out the most important part of that. He jumped a fence to not have sex. Yeah, yeah that's that's what that's what he did. You could have, you could have at least, you know, sampled the other two, right? I guess, yeah. In that moment, yeah. no. Um, and you know what? I, I, I runner up. I want to say uh, there was a couple American Idol seasons back in the day that were pretty entertaining as well. Just gonna throw that out there. But can we just call this Judd with Rami from now on? <laughs> but and again, you're gonna kill me for this. I loved the show Friends. Okay. I was I grew up watching Friends in the '90s and the early 2000s. I'm not gonna kill you for that. I'm not killing you for that. The finale of Friends went. It's a two part finale. Spoiler alert! If you haven't seen it from <laughs> late 12 now. years yeah. ago, or whatever, 15 years. A ago. A lot of people are just discovering it on. Netflix, so yeah. you could be spoiling it. Could for be some people out there. And two two things that tug at the heartstrings happen in the last episode: uh-huh. Ross and Rachel get back together Ooh. at the airport uh-huh. for like the hundredth time, right? But this time forever, right? And so the, and them standing, all of the friends standing together in the empty apartment that that the whole season was like filmed in. Mm-hmm. How can that t- not tug at you? You guys ever move out of a move out of a place that you lived in for a while? Like yeah. I always have a hard time when I move out of a place and then I look at. The empty place, yeah. and man, like there's memories in this place, and like, I, uh, life moments happen in this place. When I moved here, the the entirety of me and my girlfriend's relationship happened while I was living in the house that we moved out of when yeah. I moved up here. So yeah, it's sad. A lot of memories in that house. So yeah, I've I've had that moment. So friends, the end of friends gave me that feeling that I have every time I move out of a house. Okay, that's my answer. Um. Just real quick, in response to your answer, I don't, I don't think Friends was a bad show. I loved Friends the first four or five seasons of it, and then they fell into the pitfall that Jerry Seinfeld brilliantly avoided with the show Seinfeld, which was there was always pressure from from executives at NBC to make Jerry and Elaine a thing to get them together. They thought that would be a great thing for the show, make people watch. Friends did not avoid that pitfall. That show became all about Ross and Rachel and will Ross and Rachel get together or stay together or yeah. they broke up and will they get back together? Like it beca- it took over the show and it ruined it for me. Yeah, Friends was much more of a dramedy than Seinfeld though, right? Yeah, but the, it became Friends was a rom-com. It became that. Later when it first started, it was more of a comedy yeah. and it was just a comedy and I loved that about it and there aren't very many shows that I quit on like once I'm in on a show, especially two or three seasons in on a show, I'm just in. Even if it's not going the way I want it to go and I'm not enjoying it, I'm in and I'm sticking in it till the end. Friends to me got so I don't want to say bad because that's I don't know. That's my opinion. But it it became so much about Ross and Rachel and not about comedy 
that I bailed on it after like season five. I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this. This is not a comedy anymore. I'm not enjoying this. And I actually think the Seinfeld finale is panned by a lot of people. I thought it was really, really good. The way that they found a creative way to bring all the various characters we met over the years back to the show for one episode. But that is not the best. It's among the best, but not the best. The best is the best best show ever, and that's Breaking Bad, Jonathan. I have not I have not seen Breaking Bad. At all? No. Game, oh of, Game, of, Thrones and Game of Thrones oh and Breaking Bad. Oh, my God. So you got to watch Dude, Breaking Bad. Start tonight. Yeah. I've seen Married at First Sight four seasons, and I haven't seen Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. I'm intrigued by that show. I'm not a big reality <laughs> TV guy, but I'm intrigued it's by good. that show. It's, it's trashy. You have to watch Breaking Bad, right. though. And the ending, since you haven't watched it yet, is just perfect. It's an, it's one of the better endings of all TV shows. It's, right. Don't spoil. It's perfect. Spoil. They tie up all all well, not all loose ends because one of the characters has like a spinoff movie coming out on Netflix in the next year or so. But you feel closure. You feel complete. There there is an end to the story. There is a definite finite end to the story that you've been following and invested in all those years. And they just like everything else on that show. They nailed it perfectly. I was going to give Phil the point here because I like Friends, but then Rami brought in Breaking Bad, and that is by far and away my favorite ending to a TV series. Is that there the greatest is. show ever? It's the greatest show ever. I wouldn't say greatest show. I don't know. I'd have to think about I it. I literally, because I, I watched, I binged that show. I got in. Yeah. yeah. I got in right before the last season started. John, then throw a, que- throw a question out during the break here. What is the greatest TV show ever? Okay. Just on the Score North account. I and, want to see what some of the responses and are. And I remember just consuming episode after episode after episode and being like, none of these let me down. Yeah. Every episode delivers. And you just can't say that about any other show. 651-646-8255. It's Mackie and Jeff with Rami. And uh, Mark Carrick from The Athletic has a suggestion for the twins we need to throw out there. Thank you, Jonathan. It's Mackie and Jeff with Rami. Judd is vacationing in Las Vegas for a few days. Hopefully he still comes back alive later this week. Uh, we uh, we, we got to dive back into some Twins and Timberwolves discussion here before the hour is over, including in just a couple minutes here, Mark Carrig from The Athletics saying the Twins should make a, a move of some kind here. But first, we pose the Twitter question here at Score North. What is the greatest TV show ever? So Game of Thrones said goodbye last night. I've never watched. I've watched the first two episodes of Game of Thrones. Haven't, haven't, I'm going to dive in at some point and watch all of it. You are. You plan you on doing it. At least as far as like, it's entertaining to me. Okay. Um, it's great. And yeah, it's like to me, the more like it's been seven or eight seasons. And so I just feel like the longer I go without watching it, the more of an undertaking it is. And I just <laughs> yeah. don't. Right. Ten but, episodes each season. It's not as much as a network TV show. Okay, hour long each time. It's only 80 episodes. That. It's only eight that. Hour, 80 hours of your life. Binge that in a year. Easy. Something like that. Yeah. And so I'm just going to read you some of these answers. People, uh, Andy Carlson from Purple for the Wind says, Edge NFL matchup is the greatest thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, Game, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Seinfeld, Breaking Bad, Seinfeld, The Wire. I'm in on The Wire. Justified, Cheers, Seinfeld, Cheers. Fargo the TV series. Have you watched Fargo the TV series? Just the movie. It's amazing. Is there any connection to the movie? Or um, there are. If you pay close attention, there every season has a tie back to the movies. Every season is its own story, though. Okay. And every season has a tie to each other season. Okay. It's but you have to watch closely. You have to pay attention to the details, and you have to remember 
what happened Sounds in the like movie. Sounds like a lot of work, pre- man. I, it's need real, it, I need it fed to But me. the way that they do it, like when you realize it, you're like, oh, oh, that's the guy. Oh, <laughs> da- oh, that's the dude. I didn't realize that was the dude. 651-646-8255. Craig, you're on the show. Howdy, boys. Keep doing what you're doing. Love Thanks, the man. knowledge. Thank you, Love sir. Love the entertainment. Appreciate Love it, the man. digression into uh, the silliness. <laughs> okay. So when we're not watching sports, uh, television. All right. I've thought about this. And the way I guess I would describe it, I would give a equal value, one prime Breaking Bad, one double prime Sopranos, one triple prime Game of Thrones. As far as I've seen television from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and the aughts, or whatever the hell we're calling today, I think those three <laughs> shows really stand above everything else. Sopranos, a lot of people don't like the ending, but I think it kind of left it open to some stuff and let your mind kind of whirl. A lot of people didn't like it. Um, Game of Thrones, a lot of people really didn't like the last season, but for what we got for the first seven and a half seasons was completely mind-blowing. And Breaking Bad just completely broke the mold on everything. It was just, all of those were just like appointment television, which is rare in anything past the 2000s. So, yeah. but you got you got to give, um, I do agree for anyone who hung in there and saw everything that went on with uh, Friends, they did at least draw to a conclusion, which is everyone tries to get super creative and do this odd shakeup at the end, and it was nice to get closure. And as much as Friends, you kind of maybe might have abandoned it. If you've ever been in a group of eight or ten, there are girls that kind of work their way between best friends, and it adds to confusion and hilarity, and I think the show absolutely represented that well. It wasn't just about Ross and Rachel, if you really stuck around for that one. But anyway, I guess that's my opinion about those. And, of course, Cheers, all-time classic, never going to beat it. And then if you're really old, MASH was super fantastic, too. Yeah, people say... People, Craig, that's a great phone call. People say that MASH is the greatest series finale of all time, and it's I believe it's still the highest-rated non-football show ever is the MASH finale. By the way, speaking of ratings and football, you just brought this to mind for me. I saw a tweet earlier today. For as many people as watched Game of Thrones last night, and it like, broke ratings records, it would have been the 71st highest-rated NFL game of this past season. Of the past, wait, of this the past, past season. season? Yes. I mean, it's, no. it's also on HBO, yeah. so you, you limit thought, your your audience there as well. I thought I saw a number that like 40 million people tuned in to let the me make, Game of Let Thrones. me make sure I got I that right. Like, I retweeted I I it, 19. so I'm going to go back, I'm gonna go back through, my, uh, yeah. through my timeline and see if I can find it. But I, I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what it said. Could be way off here. Could can be I, way, can way I off reframe here. this question to you guys, too? Because mm-hmm. I think we're talking about best TV show of all time. And then you, What about if I reframed it to... TV show that you've been the most hooked on or have just been the most all in on? What, what would your list of five be? Because mine includes some stuff from when I was a kid. Ooh, too, five? That, okay. I mean, here are the ones that I might be leaving some out here, but Curb Your Enthusiasm is on my list. Damn, dude. Am I saying that Curb is a better TV show than The Wire, you know, in terms of like critically acclaimed okay it's two different completely different shows but in terms of shows i've just been the most in on curb entourage in college i mean if yeah, you like I'm, if you, if you grew up if you were born in the <laughs> 80s and you watched entourage when you were in college but like, you know it doesn't hold up right 
Entourage? Yeah. I haven't watched Entourage in 10 like years. Co- college Phil enjoyed it. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Older professional that's Phil. That's one of those things I watched once and I haven't gone back. You don't need to yep. go back. Correct. Right. And yeah. Saved by the Bell is in that mix too. Like shows that you were the most in on at whatever time it was in your life. Mm. Saved by the Bell, Mad Men is on my list. Never got into Mad Men. Couldn't mm. get into it. I tried watching it. I'm just oh, like, I don't get this. You guys. I mean, wait, you don't like bourbon and chain smoking? What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> It's like seven seasons of bourbon, chain smoking, and infidelity, I guess. Don't forget objectifying women. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that that too. Oh, when it was okay to do so. Oh, man. And friends would be on that list, too, for me. Hmm. And there's probably like five that I could, if I went back and thought. I'd say I was way in on Lost. The ending kind of disappointed me, but I mean, most endings to TV shows disappoint people just because they're kind of anticlimactic. It's just wrapping things up. Oh, here's uh, another one. Sorry to cut you off. No, it's yeah. in the same era. The first two seasons of 24. 24 I liked all the seasons, I'm going to be man. honest. Every commercial break is a cliffhanger. Yeah. Like I they wrote that. They yeah. wrote that show and they had, let's say there's five commercial breaks per show and there's 24 episodes in the yep. season. They literally wrote 120 cliffhangers for have that show. Have you gone back and just binged it? Yes. Because it's way better when you binge it. Because you, it's like you a don't movie. have to wait. You don't have to wait a week. Yes. Which I get is the point of waiting a week and doing the cliffhangers. But it is great to binge because that's how I consumed it for the first time. That show was great. That one, I think the first two seasons for me for of Prison Break, I loved. Okay. I was all in. Haven't seen uh, Prison Break. After that, it's just like, meh, okay, you can escape from prison. Congratulations, <laughs> bro. You're good at it. When I saw that show come out, I was like, how long can you... Uh do a show about guys breaking out of prison. They like they either break out or they don't. Like, <laughs> they do they, they keep trying? Seasons, do they yeah. get caught at the end of season one? Hello? They come back season two. They're like, I got a new plan. Well, one, <laughs> one of the great one of the great movies of all time is Escape from Alcatraz, and it's not about the actual like like when the escape happens, the movie's over, right? Yeah. So it's like the plan. But is that what this movie's about or this show is about? Like, is the it about the planning? Is basically about the planning and setting everything up in order of where. Of how it was supposed to go for their break or to get out of prison. The second season was them staying out of prison. Okay. All right. Well, what what would be on yours? So Ryan? they broke out of prison and then it was more like hide, run. hide and seek. Yeah. It went yeah, from prison much. break to hide and seek. All right. <laughs> yes. So shows you were the most into, not like I'm looking back and critically trying to judge what the best shows were, but like the shows that you were the most riveted by at whatever moment it was in your life. Can hmm. I say Don't Daredevil? say Sesame Street. Daredevil. On Netflix, the first that's season, so good. Yeah, the first season, second season, third season was Punisher. Pretty good. Punisher was Dude, yeah. people, great series on Netflix. Amazing suggestions coming in. So, and uh, sometimes we figure out like network TV shows. So Megan chimes in and says, "Scandal, yes, Scandal's in my list of ten. If you get hooked on Scandal, can I do I do I include late night talk shows in this? Sure. Oh man, now you just made it that much because <laughs> okay, then well, I'm you were like night to night hooked by like David Letterman. Well, I watch. I watch Conan, uh, Colbert, and uh, what's the other one? And The Daily Show every episode. Okay. I watch all of those. Um, I would say, so. okay, you actually just made my answer a little bit easier. Because I want to put Conan in there. He's been on the air for over 25 years, and I can literally count on my two hands the number of episodes of Conan in his various incarnations that I've missed. Like in 25 years, I've missed less than 10 episodes of that man's show. So he's not the reason why he got bummed from NBC. (laughs) I hope not. So he's got to be on there. And then the four that I had down before you, you made that a little bit easier for me are Curb, Seinfeld, Breaking Bad, and The Sopranos. Okay. Okay. I think those are the shows that have have gripped you the most. Yes. 
I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with that as my final five. That's my final answer, Regis. Yeah. Yes, dude. There's uh, some of these. You forget about shows, man. Like they come and you binge a show. It comes and goes in your life. Yeah. Uh, Todd tweets in at Score North S K O R North Northern Exposure. I didn't get into Northern Exposure, but I remember that being a super popular show back in the day. Never got into it. And he says Band of Brothers is on his list. Dan says Supernatural. He's been in on Supernatural for 14 years. Well, Monday Night Raw would be on my, my list. My girlfriend loves that show. Supernatural. Okay. I think it's just because the guys are good looking. It's the only reason anybody would like that show. <laughs> but you've got a great personality and right. are hilarious. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, keep, keep the suggestions coming in. Shows that gripped you the most in your life. So not necessarily the best show, but a show that you were the most obsessed with at any point in your life. At Score North, at Rami is tweeting, at Phil Mackey. You can call us, 651-646-8255. We got to get to this Mark Carey Twins article too. Real quick, did you see what ABC is doing in a couple of weeks? I'm intrigued by this. They're going to have back to back live episodes of All in the Family and the Jeffersons. With like obviously a new cast because most of the people are dead from the original cast of of those two shows. But like All in the Family, especially, both of them were kind of ahead of their times in terms of the content and the commentary they were making and the way that they were making it. This live show thing has become, it's like a summer thing. All the th- networks do, like live musicals. I think Woody Harrelson is going to play Archie Bunker. And that, mm. I look at that role and I'm like, that is impossible to do in 2019. Because he was just a blatant racist on TV who was doing it to show how much of a jackass racists are. Like, he would say racist things, and people would laugh and go, aren't they stupid? Aren't racists just all idiots? Except for the racists who were watching and going, that guy's hilarious. Well, if, <laughs> anyone, if anyone can do it, Woody Harrelson is a an amazing actor. He right? is. Who can probably figure it out. But I think that the live component makes me want to tune in for the potential train wreck factor of the whole thing getting... Yeah. blown up on yeah. national TV. I think I'm going to watch I haven't watched any of these live things, but I think I'm going to watch that cuz I loved both of those shows and I'm wondering how do you pull that off in 2019 especially doing it live. I watched the Grease one. It was on Fox a couple of years Seriously. ago. Seriously. You yeah. keep saying these Who things and guy? I'm less than surprised each time. I did. It's Judd with Rami from yeah. now on. <laughs> Just it's Judd with Rami. Well, let me get my last iterated reading here before I kick <laughs> off the show. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. All right, business owners out there, tunnel vision here. We're, we're talking to each other right now, business owners, because I've been one myself, and I know what goes into it. You love owning a business, but you're also grinding every day. You're solving problems. It's not always easy. You're taking care of employees. You're active in the community. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that understands all of those things and one that gives you peace of mind as you navigate all of the challenges of running a business. So whether... Uh, When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be in multiple different facets. Federated Insurance understands all of the aspects of running a business, and they're here to help you. You can visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative or uh, just do do a Google search uh, and and just find people saying wonderful things about Federated Insurance. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. A high drive to left field, way back. And Byron Buxton has hit a grand slam. Uh, there it is, Byron Buxton with uh, a grand slam over the weekend. Twins taking three out of four from the Seattle Mariners. And again, it's always a buzzkill. It's always, it's always 
a good sign when it's a buzzkill when you're mad that the Twins only took three of four from the Mariners after those first three games. But any way you slice it, Rami, right. that's an amazing weekend for the Twins, and they're 14 games over 500, and we're still we have ten or we have 11 more days in May, and they're already 14 games over 500, and the second best run differential in all of the American. League. Have you seen some of the numbers in May that they've put up? I got these from Dan Hayes' article today at the Athletic. Just take these three things that I'm about to say to you. Take them, take them in. They have 37 homers this month in 19 games and are 13 and six in the month of May. <sighs> Saturday was the Twins' fifth five homer game of the season. No team in baseball history has had as many as five five homer games before June 1st. According to Stats on Stats. Cut the brakes. On Stats on Stats. The last time they hit a solo homer, a two-run homer, a three-run homer, and a grand slam in the same game, which happened on Saturday, was August 17th, 1973 against the Cleveland Indians. Hadn't been done in 45 years. I have to do the math there for a second. 45 years since they had done that. They're doing that's absurd, ridiculous, historic things with the Bass this year. Speaking of the athletic... This is from Mark Carrig, who used to cover the Mets and the Yankees, and now he's doing some national stuff for TheAthletic.com. And he writes, To achieve balance, to keep his eye on both now and the future, Derek Falvey breaks the season into chunks of about 25 games. It's a method that helps to sift fact from fiction, to separate the real impact of a calculated change from the fleeting glow of a lucky streak, and it's how the Twins' executive vice president and CBO refrains from too often checking on his team's Playoff projections. These days, however, it's impossible not to notice. Those numbers have shifted for the Twins, and they tell a story of an intriguing team, one whose path to the playoffs has parted like the Red Sea. On opening day, Fangrass pegged the Twins' chances of a playoff berth at 36%, which I would say going into the year, that seemed, that's, you'd take those chances, right? 36% after. A bad year last year? I mean, unless you were drinking the Kool-Aid that I was pouring where I was predicting a division championship before spring training was over, yeah. And 37% I was, sounds I was great. sipping on pretty similar glasses of Kool-Aid, so you and I might have put it higher than that. But 36% before the season, and as of Monday, as of today, the Twins playoff odds, according to Fangraphs.com. You guys care to take a guess? Have you seen this number I saw today? it, yeah, so I'll, I'll Jonathan, disqualify myself. have you seen myself. this number too? Yeah, I saw that. 87%. 87%. And Mark Carey continues, given that calculus, they should be aggressive leading up to the trade deadline, beginning by getting to the front of the line for Craig Kimbrell, who's going to be 31 here sometime mm-hmm. in, in the next month or so, May I think. or June. So what are the biggest red flags for you with Craig Kimbrell? Is it the, the fact that he got roughed up in the postseason last year? He couldn't throw strikes? Is it, is it age? Is it money? Are there red flags with you and Craig Kimbrell? Like what what would your if you're Derek Falvey right now and you're it's no longer oh it's like we're hoping to be good this year at spring training. You're looking down the barrel of a 90% chance to make the playoffs. You're 14 games over 500 and your offense is on pace to break the major league record for home runs in a season. And this dude's sitting out there. What what would the vetting process be for you? It depends on on what the asking price is. If if he's looking for Wade Davis money, then there are a lot then all those things that you just talked about are a red flag, Phil, because you have to you have to weigh the cost versus the risk. And yeah, if I'm if I'm paying what the Rockies paid Wade Davis, which was a three year, fifty two million dollar contract, 
All those things are red flags. He lost control in the playoffs last year. He's 31. You just went down the list of things that, at that price, yeah, a lot of concerns. But if you can, I have to believe that at this point, as we sit here on May 20th, that if he was ever asking for Wade Davis type of money, that asking price has to have come down by now, just by the laws of supply and demand and the way that a market works. The demand clearly isn't out there for Craig Kimbrell right now, so I would imagine that the price has come down for Craig Kimbrell. If we're talking in the 10 to $15 million range for a two- or three-year deal for Craig Kimbrell, I don't, there aren't really a lot of red flags. I feel like the risk versus reward there is, is well worth it, and I would do it now like he's talking about instead of waiting until after the draft because after the draft, you're going to have three or four teams at least who you're going to get yourself in a bidding war for for the services of Craig Kimbrell. See, this is where, and like Craig Kimbrell is caught up in a, there's a variable here that he didn't ask for and one that's holding up the process now. So based on baseball's free agency system, there are certain players, if you turn down a qualifying offer, for instance, like there's different things that that go into uh, compensation and what your team would have to give up if they signed you. And so the Twins would have to give up the 54th overall pick in next year's draft, I believe it's the 2020 draft. Or am I wrong? Maybe is it the 2009? If they did 2020, this, I believe. Okay, so they'd have to give up the 54th overall pick, which for a team like the Twins, that's a really valuable pick. That's Jose Barrios was like the 35th or 40th pick when they drafted him six years ago. So the Twins are looking and saying, well, that's an that's an asset that we could use either in a trade in the future, and we'd have to pay Craig Kimbrell. So I understand. Why you aren't just willing to give that up and also give Craig Kimbrell eighteen or twenty million dollars a year? So Kimbrell's looking at this and saying, "I don't give a rip about the draft pick. I want my value." And teams right. are saying, "Well, we're not going to give you your value and give up a first or a second round draft pick." So he's caught up in a in a. There's a variable here that he didn't ask to be on the table, and that's part of the reason why he hasn't signed yet. But if I'm the Twins, I'm not waiting until the draft. I'm I'm jumping in now and getting him before the bidding war pops off after the draft. If that's something he's open to, if I'm Craig Kimbrell and his agent, so you're giving you're giving up the 54th pick yeah. and paying him is what you're saying. Yeah, because and and here's why: because a the 54th pick is a complete crapshoot. When you, I mean, if you think the NFL and NBA drafts are crapshoots, just look at Major League Baseball and. Which guys end up performing who are drafted very highly and which guys end up performing like Mike Piazza who were drafted while we were all asleep because the MLB draft was in its 78th round or however long it happened to go that year. It's a it's a crapshoot at best. You can call it an unknown if you think crapshoot is too aggressive of language of it. It's an unknown what you have at 54. For all the questions that you have with Craig Kimbrell, there is a known commodity there. To some level, there is a known commodity there. And another thing that we know that we we don't know about the 54th pick is the Twins are in a window to win right now. Who knows where this organization will be by the time you make that 54th pick, develop that 54th pick, and get that 54th pick up to the major leagues, and whether or not it will have any bearing on a winning baseball team or not. You strike now. The window is open. You strike now. There's no, there, there, there isn't any room for, 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 for conversation here. Yeah. Strike. Here's the question they have to ask themselves off everything you just said. Because I'm with you. I mean, there's this is this is a team that's going to cool off to some extent. Yeah, Miguel Sano batting fifth tonight, by the way. Oh, they moved him up. Mm-hmm. Is Buxton still batting ninth? Uh, do you want me to give you the entire lineup? Sure, let's do it. Kepler, Polanco, Estadio, Rosario, Sano, Areas, Castro, Adriana, Buxton with Odorizzi on the mound. Okay. So... 
the Twins have to ask themselves, you set up a roster through drafting and developing and free agency moves. You set that roster up to have the best chance possible to make noise in the postseason, right? There's, it's not like the NBA, you set up a roster, not to give yourself the best chance, but you set up the roster as like a queen on a chessboard. You know, the, the Warriors are a queen on a chessboard. They're going to win the championship nine times out of ten in seasons like this in the last five years. In baseball, even the best teams, the 1998 Yankees, right, those teams still have a larger percentage chance to lose in a playoff series because there's so many variables in baseball when it comes to series and small sample sizes. So you're, you're just trying to figure out where do, I, where do I allocate poker chips here and like how do, I, how do I leverage situations to push more chips into the middle when I know that my team is good, right? Are you going to have a better opportunity in the next five years than the Twins have right now to make noise? I'm not asking if Byron Buxton will be better in three years. I'm asking what you have right now, two months out of the gate, and in a weak division, and there's only six teams with a chance right now to make the playoffs in the American League. Go look at them. There's six teams above 500 in the American League right now, yep. and there's five playoff spots. So just mathematically, you have an amazing chance That 87% ain't high enough, if you ask me. It, you're probably right. I'm not when a statistician or a mathematician like the folks who figure that out, but right. yeah. So there might not be a better chance in the next five years to add a piece or two to boost your chances to beat the Astros in a series, the Red Sox in a series. And so, yes, I'm not... Like, I'm in on Craig Kimbrell. Do we know how much he's asking for? There's clearly a reason why he's... It, I, I think you can acknowledge the risks, the fact that he was terrible in the postseason, he's probably due for some arm injuries, he hasn't faced live hitting since last October. I mean, you can acknowledge the risks and also still say bleep it. It's the right move. Right. And what is and it's the, time. What's the absolute worst that can happen? The absolute worst. You sign him for three years, $50 million, and he blows up in the first week and needs Tommy John surgery. I don't think that prevents you from signing Buxton to an extension, from signing another Nelson Cruz in free agency. I don't think it, like, it's not like you have five Albatross terrible contracts on the books anymore. You don't. So, yeah, we're going to keep talking about this because it's, it's interesting, and he's sitting out there, and the Twins are awesome. I think if they have any interest in Craig Kimbrell right now, they got to pounce this like today they need they need to pounce as soon as they can possibly pounce because like i said i think it turns into a bidding war after the june 2nd draft and and then it becomes really tough for the twins because i think you're going to be up against the likes of the dodgers uh the cubs could be in on it there there are some big market high payroll teams that are going to be in the bidding for the services of craig kimbrell and that's when it becomes even harder for the twins and like i said at this point that might be what Craig Kimbrell and his agent are waiting it for. It might just make more sense for right. them. If the, if, if, the, if the market is one team or two teams now, but in, when's the draft? In two weeks? Yeah. But and it might in, turn into five or six teams? Yeah, then you wait the extra three weeks. Right. Because, like, he's not, if he's signed right now, he's not pitching. He's going to have to go through probably a full three-week minor league stint to ramp it up and face live hitting, right? Yeah. So, uh, plenty more on this, by the way, on the Score North Twin Show, which is five days a week anywhere you find your favorite podcast. The Score North mobile app is a great place just to listen to all of our stuff on demand. That's Rami. I'm Phil. Good luck to Judd in Las Vegas. And uh, thank you for all your TV show suggestions. Keep those coming. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Royce Unchained is next. Dog Ed, um, I'll talk to you later. Bye.